if a genie came to you and said that any career that you chose would not fail, what would you choose? Hello and welcome to the Waking Youth Podcast. How are you feeling today? I am feeling particularly happy after an awesome conversation with our guest Oscar War. Oscar went to NYU University to study psychology and at the moment he's not only a fellow podcaster but also a life purpose and productivity coach. So if you're curious about the main topics of today's conversation you can expect a lot of personal development and a lot of coaching and above all i believe we did a good job at deconstructing some possible prejudice and misconceptions people might have towards personal development and coaching in addition to this we explored the magic of curiosity but also how to make fear our best friend in order to live lives of courage and vulnerability. So I will not bore you with any more introductions and I invite you to tune in and enjoy. Hi and welcome Oscar. I feel excited to connect with you today and curious to see what topics we'll explore. As you may know, I like to begin my conversations by expressing all the ways in which my guests inspire me. And I have to admit that from the moment I first connected with you over the phone, it was very clear that you are an extremely driven and passionate human being who is here to lift some spirits and inspire all of us to live an authentic and purposeful life. So thank you for being you and for connecting today. Wow, I actually did not know you you did that, or maybe I just mi- missed it from the last episodes. But damn, you have no idea how much I'm smiling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Why don't we begin with you telling us a little bit more about you? I know that you're a former I student in psychology, also a fellow podcaster, and more recently you are dedicating your life. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, to coaching. Mm-hmm. So right now, you how would you define yourself? I checked on your LinkedIn that you now uh, use the definition life purpose and productivity coach. So why don't you tell us a little bit of your story? Yeah, for sure. Actually, I've been recently changing my image and my personal brand. So doing a lot of different things just to meant mention what you were saying the podcast yeah actually podcast is one of the most fun things i think because you get to talk to awesome people mine is about more specifically learning and how to learn it's called the learning experience and then after that yeah coaching is one of my main endeavors uh, main projects right now where i'm focusing on helping aspiring entrepreneurs to become um, more organized and be able to productively create something that's in line with a life purpose or really following their own values. Because sometimes, especially in these times, a lot of people are saying that they're lost or feeling, feeling that way. And yeah, I'm developing like a coaching program that is helping people go from having no idea to productively working on something that's very meaningful. Mm-hmm. I would love to get uh, some definitions clear because I feel like I personally struggle with that a little bit and perhaps anyone listening to this might have some similar questions. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the difference of a coach and psychologist, for example, or psychiatrist? Just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So coach is the word coaching is understood in quite a few different ways, I think, because like you have sports coaches and then you have life coaching and then you have fitness coaching. And coaching is basically trying to help a person get uh, someplace uh, to a place of improvement through uh, guidance. A little bit is not like you would call a guide, but basically through questioning, if we're talking about life coaching, 
or through a specific set of steps if you're talking about maybe fitness or sports coaching. Mm-hmm. And the difference with psychologists and trainers or psychiatrists is that firstly versus therapists is that therapists often look at a person's problem. So if somebody's not able to um, conduct themselves in society well or like they don't feel like getting out of bed, then a, a therapist will focus in on that problem and try to solve that. Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, using different ther- therapies. If, they, if they're very behavioral focused, they'll focus on changing the behavior. Or if they're more cognitive um, therapies focused, they'll try to see what thoughts are preventing them from becoming back to normal. Whereas coaches are taking people that are doing doing pretty okay and wanting them to get to the next level, basically helping them yeah, create an action plan and also see what's maybe what beliefs are blocking them from like doing what they really want from achieving their goals. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So a coach is more in the area of positive psychology and self-improvement. Yeah. Uh, but more taking it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, both hold a place because when therapists come in, when you, people like have something that they can't deal with and like prevents them from even living their day-to-day life normally, like if you have severe anxiety and that's like preventing you from going to see your friends, then you might want to see an, uh, a therapist versus a coach is somebody who maybe feels like they could be better, doing better in their job or isn't dealing with stress very well. It's, so it's similarly related, but it's being able to see where is that stress coming from and then how can we go beyond that and really improve ourselves. So it's, yeah, very positive psychology focused because that's what uh, positive psychology studies. Mm-hmm. And now that you are uh, diving deep, I would say, in this coaching world, would you say that there's still prejudice towards coaching? Because at least from my perspective, I feel like there's still even some prejudice towards having a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I do feel the same a little bit towards coaching. I don't know if this is biased because of my experience, but do you feel in general that people have a prejudice and perhaps they would be willing to get a coach but they don't because they're afraid of what others might think and that it's something that only and i quote Mm. weak people go to um i think it definitely depends where you're living like i think actually geography is probably a big factor that influences that like when i was in ie people from like the middle east they would say that therapists are very are not looked um upon very well I mean, if you go into one, then you you seem like you're, you're probably crazy. But I think that therapists are great to help you self-reflect and understand yourself better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the same for coaches probably. In here in Switzerland, yeah, I know quite a, f- a few coaches that maybe they take away the coach from their title because of the different ways that people perceive this term. Mm-hmm. And yeah, also like when I was in IE. A professor was telling me like he's seen people wanting to become coaches for like, years t- since he's been working at IE and like that um, there's always people wanting to do that so maybe it's oversaturated and like it's a bit hard to know who's a good coach or who's not mm-hmm. and yeah as a disclaimer I'm like not I'm not the best one because I'm just starting still but I am working on a specific niche right now mm-hmm. of, around because of the tools that I've learned around life purpose and productivity. Mm-hmm. So if you had to convince me, um, why should I have a coach? <laughs> Great <laughs> question. Yeah. First of all, I think everybody should get a coach because um, friends might just try and tell you their opinion. If you're coming to them with a problem like, oh, I'm not satisfied with my love life or with my career then friends will probably try and give you their opinion like this is what's worked for me. But that's the thing is that everybody has to try their own path and use their own way because what somebody else has tried might not work work for you. Mm-hmm. And a coach will help you explore that perspective and figure out what is the best option for you 
and really empower you to go down that path that maybe you're too scared to try. Mm-hmm. With a, a friend that I've been speaking with recently, we're just trying to lean into vulnerability. And I think that's a big part of coaching to understand what's holding you back. And if you wanted to like, if you were ever feeling afraid of having like a certain conversation, maybe in, in your job, I think this applies to people outside of university. If they're, their boss is being a dick and they don't know how to approach it, then a coach could like help brainstorm that with you and explore like, why does that first of all anger you, but also how can you approach your boss to have that conversation so you can, you can become happy in your job again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, bouncing back ideas with friends works a little bit, but a coach is there to um, encourage you, but also help you really put your thoughts out onto like a, a board, which makes it so much more clear. Mm-hmm. I feel like it just feels right what you're saying. And in my case, I do feel like I'm quite open with my friends. So we do talk a lot about personal development and we hold each other accountable to a certain extent. But I also know how tiring it is sometimes to make sure, like to keep yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. Because obviously you don't have the all the methodologies. You don't have time in your daily life to just learn more about personal development. And why not have someone that can help you get there? And I think this is this idea that coaching is something that we you don't need is very tied to the idea that maybe we no, don't need help and we can do everything by ourselves and that isn't necessarily true yeah and so i would also want to ask you do you personally have a coach yeah actually just to about that point that people think we can do that by ourselves i think we can but often like it is very difficult because doing it by yourself it's like that's relying purely on internal motivation and mm. neglecting external motivation. I mean, you could probably be focused on whatever, saving the planet or doing it for the money, but um, without people being there for you, we're social animals and having that surrounding is also very important. Mm-hmm. And for your question right now, yes, I do have a coach. I actually have a couple. Okay. And- <laughs> Yeah, like I'm part of one, uh, what we call as a mastermind. So like we're four coaches that just meet every two weeks and talk about how to grow our coaching business. And then I'm, I am also enrolled in a course that's helping me build this uh, productivity program that I'm talking about. Okay. And and they give me coaching uh, a couple times per week, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm very curious to know your answer to this question. You were in IE. I'm also about to graduate and perhaps a lot of people listening to this podcast are also about to graduate or they just did actually. How exactly did you find the creative confidence to start a career as a creative entrepreneur or whatever mm-hmm. definition we we want to use today? We can also discuss that. Yeah. But I feel like when you're graduating and I, 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 at least I feel like this and I felt like this. Uh, that you see a lot of people going for the conventional path. And sometimes it can be scary to try a career as a freelancer or try a career as a coach. So was this something that you always knew we were going to do? Or there was something inside of you that shifted and that gave you that confidence to just pursue that more, what others, what a lot of people Mm -hmm. might consider riskier path? Yeah. So... I think it's important to start with like what you want to do or what you want to create or change in the world and um, why the what and the why I think are the most crucial parts for a person um, to really understand um, how their life is going to evolve because right now I'm doing the how, how of um, to lead me towards basically what I, what I keep telling myself is that I want to make sure that people are able to live more joyful and purposeful lives. That's, I mean, that's shifting that little definition, but right now the how for that is doing coaching and creating programs um, online. 
Mm-hmm. So the and, why and the how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your why is very important, I think. And in IE, like in university, I got to learn a lot about people's different stories. And I loved that it was so international. That was probably one of the best parts because then you get to hear from so many different perspectives from around the world and also from awesome professors that have have their own businesses. So that's quite inspiring. And I think I got the, the what, what did you call it? The motivation mm-hmm. to do that in IE. I, if, it, the, if I had gone to university that wasn't so entrepreneurial focused, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I have um, been focused on like learning about positive psychology since I was around 15 or 16, I think, because I read one book back then and I was like, well, this is super, super cool. And that basically got me started on under, wanting to understand positive psychology a bit more. Can I ask what book was it? Yeah, it was a, a book called uh, The Happiness Advantage by Sean mm-hmm. Aker. And this, this guy has a TED Talk in case people just want to watch the TED Talk instead of the book. But the book is really interesting. Like he gives an example of how when the author and uh, his sister were little and they were playing on the bunk bed, so it was quite high up, and the little sister accidentally fell off the bunk bed and landed on the floor, but she landed on all four um, like hands and knees, and she was about to start crying, but then the Sean, the author, he was like, oh, look, sister, you landed on all four hands and feet. You must be a unicorn. And then she, then she didn't cry. And she was like, oh, my God, I have superpowers. And that just completely shifted her mind to that. I was like, whoa, people have that kind of power. That's not a superpower. <laughs> yeah. And now that you, that you began, what would you say is the biggest challenge of being a creative entrepreneur, but also the main advantage? Yeah. So it's pretty difficult. And actually, I, I think... I if I had gone a different path of like doing a uh, choosing a job that I would still want to do like working maybe a really awesome company that I admire but also doing this on the side I think that would be I'd be very satisfied with that mm-hmm. but for some it's different for everybody like right maybe some people want to get uh, re- really stable first and then try and tiptoe out of their comfort zone but that takes a lot more time mm-hmm. and I'm doing it the probably the harsher way because I've been given this opportunity luckily I can still live at my parents house and not have to worry about finances right now mm-hmm. and so that's why I'm trying it and also I'm working on a startup with my dad so like we agreed I'll do, try this for one year with him to build our startup and then, then I can go do whatever I want so I'm while working on with my dad I'm also working on my coaching business mm-hmm. and that's that's why I'm trying this Mm-hmm. Well, I wish you all the best luck for both your coaching and the startup with your dad. Thanks. Yeah, it's it is pretty difficult because you have to learn a lot from scratch. I mean, university teaches you a lot of theory, but not that much practicality. But it is the actually the the actions that I took in university that helped a lot, like organizing a, a conference, the Leap Conference. That was one of the best experiences, still I think that I ever had. Mm-hmm. I think the leap conference was really and is a great project um i've been to the leap conference and it's really great and it's a wonderful opportunity for students like you were saying to get involved and and learn by doing and also meet amazing people and get inspired so congrats for that as well for your entrepreneurship there <laughs> thanks i know i wasn't the first round i did the second conference but oh, really? it was, yeah 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 I just, I mean, I, vo- I helped in the first one a little bit, volunteered, right. but the second one was where I or- organized it mainly. So what were you doing? In the first one? Or? When you, well, you're saying we're organizing, but actually on... Like leading what tasks, it. What kind of tasks did you do? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. And so in the LEAP conference, which is a conference meant to show um, leaders in their field taking unconventional paths towards uh, what we can de- whatever we can define as success and basically bringing t- together awesome speakers kind of like a TED talk but with people who maybe have more unconventional paths mm-hmm. and since I'd volunteered in the first edition I was like 
this is a super cool uh, idea and I would love to see it grow. And I just thought I would help out in the second edition, but then I ended up being like the main organizer. Me and uh, another friend from psychology, we took the, the director role, you could say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to make sure everything functioned and put the team together, we were like 10 people in the end. And yeah, to get sponsors, to get the venue, get speakers, make sure everything was working, marketing. It was mm-hmm. such a beautiful chaos, though, actually. Like so many things went wrong in the end, but it, but that was the best part of learning to deal with that under pressure. A proper learning experience. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, exactly those kinds of things that you need to try to... Get, yeah get out of your comfort zone like sometimes just saying getting out of your comfort zone is pretty vague and it's fault but following your desire is a bit more precise and if you see something that you want to grow or you want to try even to just learn something then people should go for it even if especially if it's a bit scary actually mm-hmm. there's one, one story from the what the, went wrong in the leap conference because it's pretty pretty funny mm-hmm. is that um one day before the conference so it was taking place in madrid and we had we thought agreed with the student government no the student life organ um part of ie mm-hmm. that they would provide food and drinks and that it was sports day the day before the conference and i approached um one of the guys leading the student life and i said is everything set up for tomorrow and how's how's it looking and will we get the food and everything and he's like Oh no, we we just thought you wanted a coffee break, so they were going to provide coffee. And like, oh shit! But we were we told everybody we were going to get bring wine and food. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, luckily we had a little bit of funding from one sponsor. Mm-hmm. And in the morning of the conference, wow. one one girl from my team, Dasha, she was amazing. She had a car and she went to like. Went to Mercadona and bought uh, like 10 crates of wine <laughs> and then plastic cups. And then we went to another store and bought tons of baguettes to just make sandwiches. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of learning by doing. You learn yeah. your lesson and never again you'll forget to take care of the catering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like it was just so cool how the, everybody, the whole team worked on it and everybody just took responsibility and jumped onto it. Like people will show up when it's mm-hmm. most needed. I'm happy that we brought this up, um, the LEAP conference, um, because mm-hmm. I feel like, and I'm saying this because I felt this in my uh, life, um, and perhaps many people feel like this. Sometimes we feel like we don't want to get involved in a lot of projects in universities because we're already studying, we want to enjoy or personal lives and and meet new people and just go on parties and everything. But sometimes, and I'm saying this because I only realized the potential of these experiences later on in my degree, Um, but this is actually the beauty of university is that you get to try all of this different stuff. You get to try to organize a LEAP conference or you get to start your podcast and fail to then build the creative confidence to later in life do something with that knowledge and that wisdom that you created only because you put yourself out there. And, 100%. Mm-hmm. And this also brings us to the conversation around courage and fear and being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Like, I really want to, like, if there's something you take out of this episode is really put yourself out there because I, I, I'm very fascinated by the conversations I have with different students and different young professionals. And I like exploring how they do what they do, why they do what they do, and how do they challenge themselves. And what I recognize is that usually people think that when someone is out there motivated and organizing conferences, that person is oblivious to fear. And that's not a reality. That person just chose to make fear his or her best friends. And I believe that when you shift your mindset towards just being okay with fear and dealing with fear and wanting to deal with fear, that's when your creative path, and it doesn't, I don't mean creative by 
artistic area just creative of you creating your own reality and you realizing your potential that's when that journey begin begins so thank you for sharing yeah it is it, it's it's there's so many factors to take into it but yeah like just being aware that if you're feeling fear towards something then leaning into it mm -hmm. and because on the other side of that is the there's usually growth and learning of some kind mm -hmm. and you know i was listening to i was listening to this podcast with elizabeth gilbert i don't know if you're familiar but elizabeth gilbert is the writer of the book eat pray love mm. that also has a movie with julia roberts um, <laughs> and also the book big magic and Uh, big magic really helped me a lot in my creative journey. Uh, but yesterday, as I was listening to this podcast, they were talking a lot about fear and creative confidence and and mm. how to overcome this fear. Uh, and it's not even overcome, it's more understand this fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me just, one second. What did I want to say? <laughs> Give you that creative confidence. Ah, I know. Exactly. The creative confidence. But the other thing she was talking about was curiosity. And I found this particularly interesting. And I think it can be very relevant for people who are trying to figure out their paths. And so she was saying that for a long time, she was preaching passion. So people were asking her, how did she, how, how, how was she? how did she have so much success in her creative life? And she was, she kept talking about passion. And then this woman one time sent her an email after listening to one of her uh, uh, conferences and said, look, I think you, you're not understanding that in my life, it's really not about passion. And I don't have a big passion for anything. I wouldn't die for like any of my, what I can consider small passions. Um, and I actually feel a little bit embarrassed about that. And I feel like I'm, I have something is off with me because I'm not as passionate about something as you are. And then she was sharing Elizabeth that she gave it some thought and she did some soul searching and that she realized maybe it's not about passion. Maybe it's just about curiosity and the curiosity comes in. I think like everyone can be curious about something. That's the magic of it, you know, and Imagine like if you are right now in university or if you're now like we are starting our professional careers and you don't have anything in particular that you're super passionate about, let's say writing or filmmaking or starting your own business, then you can try to understand what are you curious about. And this curiosity, I think, brings you to the second step, because if you follow this curiosity then that curiosity will bring you to a challenge. And this is where you have to find the courage within you to understand your fear and to not be stopped by fear, but instead choose to follow the path of curiosity. And if you're lucky, you'll, you'll find something that you're passionate about. Yeah, 100%. I think actually like curiosity is such a, a nicer term as well to just be curious about something and that's... Mm -hmm. uh, amazing way of learning and I think it could even be put into like uh, becoming to try and make curiosity more part of your life is like anything it can be a habit of maybe trying to learn something new um, every day or every week and just yeah to ex explore what's out there mm -hmm. and the other thing I wanted to pick up from what you said um, you were talking about and I find that beautiful and we talked briefly about this before but you were saying that The ideal scenario for you would be to be doing some coaching sessions, but then also have some other activity, either the startup with your dad or even working for a company. And actually, this also brings me to another conversation I was listening to in a podcast with Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> and she was saying that there's kind of a myth that you should, especially in, in today's time and our generation, younger generations, that we should have a job that we're very passionate about, that really fulfills our purpose in life. And she was deconstructing a little bit this idea and making some other proposals. And I believe this is very relevant and you can also give me your opinion on this. And so she talked, she defined several terms, including what's a job, what's a career, what's a hobby, and what's a vocation. Mm. 
And what she preaches is that not everyone needs to have a job that is also their vocation and also their hobby and what they're passionate about. So it, it is completely okay for you to have a normal job and then in your, in your free time, just do what you love. And in her case, it was writing. So the idea that she was saying was that she, she knew all along it was about writing, but she knew all along because that's what she loved doing. If she had a free time, she would just go on and write on her diary and create short stories. Um, and so she never felt pressure to make money out of her writing. And that's why she was able to always be creative on her writing because she had normal jobs and she t uh, shares that she was a bartender for several years, a, a waitress and, and so on. But so she was saying that, and I found this beautiful, uh, then a career is something more long-term than a job. So a job is one thing that you have only to ha uh, make some money. And mm. then you have a career, which is something more long-term and here you can evolve. Um, and then you have the vocation and the difference between that she defines between career and vocation is that career is focused on the external world. It's something that you do to be of service. It's something that you do to be recognized or to solve any need there's out there in the world to solve. And then a vocation is something that you are naturally born to do, or you believe that you were born to do that. And for her, that's the writing part. And a vocation doesn't mean that you have to make money out of your vocation. It's just something that gives you a big sense of purpose and of meaning in your life. But making this distinction also frees, I believe, frees oneself. And this brings us back to what, like, what you're experiencing now, because we don't have to just have one job or we don't have to just have one career or to focus all of our energy in what we think is our main passion we can just, you know, have a startup or we can work for a corporation. And then in our spare time, we can do what we're passionate about, either providing co coaching sessions or just giving advice to your friends because that's your vocation. Yeah. So what do you think about this? How do you feel mm. about all of these terms and your personal experience as well? Yeah, that, that totally loops back to what I was saying in the beginning of like, I would probably have even preferred to get a more stable job in the beginning to then be able to do coaching on the side and grow that. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it is different for everybody, but totally redefining what it means to have a career and a job is, is quite an important conversation, I think, because yeah, people will probably want to go towards a more traditional career because it's, it's safe, but remember to like keep something that you're what quote unquote passionate or otherwise curious about because we were either one quote that I loved from actually a podcast guest from last week's episode on mine was mm -hmm. that she said we were either growing or dying. And like in, if you're in the hospital, a, f a flat line means you're dead. So you need to either be going up or down with your line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So right now for myself, um, I think coaching is the hobby slash passion that I'm trying to grow because I've been curious about it for a long time and it is quite internal in terms of motivation um and then but also like growing the startup with my dad is is the same so yeah right now actually I think a lot of things are based on curiosity which is is great because it helps um fuel motivation but um if I had a normal a regular job it would be totally fine as well for me mm -hmm. yeah it's difficult to define for sure, but it's it's. I think it is important to have something that you're constantly curious about, and it's okay if that mm -hmm. changes as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that brings us to the ikigai. We can make a bridge here yeah. to the ikigai. One of the questions I had for you uh, was, what met methodologies do you use personally? So do you want to th yeah. take us through Ikigai? Because this is very much related to For sure. hobbies and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what you're mentioning, Ikigai, it's a Japanese term for a roughly translated uh, person's reason for being. And it's a really awesome diagram 
that's composed out of four circles forming a four-circled Venn diagram with Ikigai in the middle. And it's because it's a diagram, you can also use it as a tool or like as an exercise for in coaching when a person wants to explore what they're really, well, you could put passion or curious about one's, or one's reason for being. Myself, I don't think there's like one reason for being because oftentimes you find out that there's so many things that you would want to do. But the cool thing with Ikigai is that one of the circles is what you can be paid for. So it's also a bit practical. Th mm -hmm. Then uh, how I use it in an exercise is exploring the top three, which are what you love, what you're good at, and what the world needs. And basically having people um, go through each of these circles and listing as many things as they need. And I have like a set of questions for each circle to help them dive deeper and to understand um, would you like to hear some of those questions, actually? Yes. Cool. So for... Let's do it. Yeah, why not? So if you want to... Are you doing a live coaching session? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Why not to explore life purpose? Is it... mm -hmm. Let's go. Yeah, yeah and, a little, and for a little um, pre-talk, pre whatever you want to call it, the, a lot of people find that, like, you maybe know what you're passionate about or you have ideas and even if you do then simply writing it down helps to get those thoughts outside of your head and it'll it helps a lot like writing can be one of the best tools for understanding yourself better so even that simple act is is very helpful so mm -hmm. when exploring ikigai i first have people go through what i like or what i love and so this can be what i love to do what i love to have um well yeah. And some questions around this would be, um, if you got 200 million euros, how would this change your life and what would you do with your days? Something, mm -hmm. something like that. Or if a, <laughs> if a genie came to you and said that any career that you chose would not fail, what would you choose? And mm -hmm. yeah, from these questions, you can start listing down many different answers. And the idea is also to come up with as many as possible because... The more you write down, the more possible combinations in the end you can make out of all the circles. Mm -hmm. Then when going into what you're good at, there's this awesome diagram called the Theory of Multiple Intelligences by Howard Gardner. He was a psycho mm -hmm. psychologist. Um, mm -hmm. It's a bit controversial, this diagram, because of the fact that he calls it intelligences. And yeah, some psychologists agree, some, some don't. But... Um, in my my case, I just use it as a wheel of skills because I think there are like nine different aspects on it. And you can look at the different uh, potential skills to see if any of them resonate with you. So I think there's like a skill related to uh, music, then physical activity, um, spirituality. So if you, if you feel spiritual and if you have any skills around that, mm -hmm. mathematical introspective and um, being able to communicate with others well mm -hmm. and naturalist I think might be missing a couple mm -hmm. but yeah more or less those and if there's any of them that resonate with you then write them down and even write down the specific skills like for physical activity write down if you are good at a specific sport mm -hmm. right and a lot of one that's people like to resonate with is also like the introspective or um, being good at communication. So if you're able to reflect on yourself, well, then that might mean that you have skills related to being higher in emotional intelligence and being able to communicate, um, understand yourself, mm -hmm. but then also, um, yeah, make others feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Then in going through the third circle, what the world needs there, it's more um, free what the world needs can be very subjective so i usually try and chip in with um, my point of view or if it's doing a group coaching session having people explore together on like a whiteboard or a virtual whiteboard um, mm -hmm. to understand that what's really funny though when we get to what the world needs a lot of people talk about what um like mental health and like people need more positivity or more community support stuff like that and mm -hmm. i yeah so if any, since I've seen it quite a few times now, I always try to just uh, help them include other aspects if 
if they feel like the world needs them, like the environment and poverty or less pollution, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Then once you have um, three lists of what you love, what you're good at and what the world needs, mm -hmm. I invite people to make different combinations of those three to find what you can be paid for if any combination um, allows you. And mm -hmm. it can be really anything, a new a project, a new career, or some, or it can be also a confirmation. Like when I did this in high schools, um, a lot of the kids were like, oh yeah, I, I understand why I'm, I want to study this now because it aligns with um, what the world needs and what I'm good at, which is really interesting. And maybe, <laughs> maybe younger kids didn't understand or didn't see that what they're choosing is really reflected in like the whole um, scheme of things, which is mm -hmm. qu quite awesome. Um, for yeah, I, let me. Inter I remember you gave an example. I think it was on LinkedIn of the how you can combine uh, mm -hmm. all the different areas, and I I think it was something related to dancing. <laughs> Do you want to share with us that? Yeah. Example? Yes. Exactly. I was going to share that. The when I when I did it and when I learned it, it was back in September, I think. Um, so it was a 10-day training course, and we had explored uh, so many different aspects of life purpose. And when it came to doing this exercise, what I, the ones, the circles, the, sorry, the items that resonated the most with me were dancing for what I love, because I think dancing is a really fun activity. Um, what I'm good at mm -hmm. was organizing events, and yeah, it was based on my previous experience. And then what the world needed was more... Yeah, like more mental, positive mental well-being and positivity or like sharing, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And through combining those three, dancing, organizing events and positive mental well-being, I found mm -hmm. that it would be awesome to create an event where people come together to um, dance and learn new things. And maybe do it like at six in the morning so that people wake up with super positive energy. <laughs> and it was also partly inspired by an event that already happens i don't remember the name right now but i think there's like a global movement that where they do this in like big cities that's so cool yeah and it gives you it i used this tool in the past uh, as i shared with you before now in professional skills in ie they actually show us introduced us to this tool and it it really is great it, it allows you to build some gain some perspective on your own life um, yeah and, and it might seem obvious but it's not it's it's great to make those correlations like you were saying for sure i would never have thought of doing like a dance event um <laughs> if it wasn't for that now i haven't created it because i i didn't feel like it was the right time like i was still moving back to my parents and stuff like that but mm -hmm. if the moment felt right and like Maybe somebody else came to me and wanted to do it together, and I would definitely do it. Mm -hmm. And just to relate it back to our previous, what I was introducing with the distinction between hobby, job, vocation, and career. I, as I as you were speaking, I was also trying to 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 make this um, make sense to try to combine this all together, and perhaps you know. The passion and what you love could be your hobby mm. and then uh, what you're good at, your vocation and what the world needs and you, what you can be paid for would be career and job. Mm. And so in a way, the ideal, of course, would be like Elizabeth Gilbert <laughs> <laughs> to to live of what you are, what is your vocation. Uh, but at any point, we can just try to make different combinations. That's the beauty of the Ikigai. And even if we don't get to do what we are most passionate about, I think the what we should remember is to make sure that at least we're doing it. So if right now you're a coach, for example, then you can always dance on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should just make sure that we're doing what we love as well. Um, yeah. I think because you know, I think at the end of the day, what's mo more important to us, most important, is to do what we love but to also be useful to the world. Hmm. I, I, I agree. I think that's super mm -hmm. important. And even like one practical thing that people could do is finding a space or a community 
where people share common interests to explore this topic mm-hmm. with others because i i feel like that's something that helps people become motivated quite a bit is just surrounding yourself with like-minded people mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and now that my listeners and myself have some more knowledge on the ikigai so they have a tool that they can practically use um I wanted to ask you what if you have some other practical advice and now more towards uh, fear, courage and vulnerability. Um, is there something you would like to say about this? So when you are faced with a difficult or ch- I don't want to use the world difficult. I want to use the world challenging situation. What tools do you use or what methods do you use to to make sure you're you're living up to your full potential and that you that you will overcome that challenge. Wow, yeah, that is quite a difficult question. Actually, when I saw that on the paper of question, I was like, hmm, this is a bit scary, this question. Because <laughs> I like things to be really practical, but I don't think I have like a one answer for this one. But I do have uh, some ideas or suggestions though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one. If usually when you're faced with fear, it's in the moment and you're most likely going to react based on your previous experience. And Mm. there's this um, concept called the flinch, which is basically what you do in the split second between um, stimulus and reaction or the the small period of, um, of time. And you that's a period where you can make a choice. And mm-hmm. being aware of that small um, space between stimulus and your reaction is very important, I think. Just sim- starting with awareness and that from here you can start to try to grow it um, by being more aware of it next time of something that you're um, fearing to then b- make the choice of what you really want. Because usually if it's fear, you, you will probably f- go to automatically fight or flight. But if you're aware of it, then you might want to become curious or say, okay, what is this really about? And if it's something that's not an immediate danger, like you're about to get run over by a car, then you might <laughs> want to actually try to see what it's about. Um, mm-hmm. One like one tool that's very hyped and people keep talking about the benefits, but people don't do it enough, I think, is meditation. Meditation helps you increase that little space of where you can make a greater choice because Mm -hmm. meditation makes you more aware of your emotions and ultimately understanding your motivations and I guess being able to lean into vulnerability a bit more. Mm. Do you meditate every day? Right now I'm trying, uh, again, like... Mm -hmm. The past month, I started doing it very regularly again. I've been on and off like throughout the years, but these these past weeks, I've been doing like, yeah, five, six days per week. It's and I did do it right before this session because I know you wanted um, us both to be centered. So I was like, yeah, let's just get into the right space. And it just helps you to stop your mind from being distracted and can Mm-hmm. having thoughts that really aren't that helpful sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, I, I talked a little bit about fear with Oli, Oliver as well uh, and he also comes from a, a psychology background like you mm-hmm. and you know sometimes I wish I had some of your psychology classes <laughs> I actually consider taking psychology at some point um, because I think that there's something really powerful in that conversation uh, regarding fear and patterns because at the end of the day fear indeed is here to protect us Uh, we just have sometimes to tell the fear that okay thank you for trying to protect me you saved my life uh, a couple of times yeah but right now this is not a situation for you to be scared of it's okay that you're scared but you don't have to feel scared let me just do my thing and achieve my highest my the highest version of myself and just chill a little bit all is well (laughs) yeah i have two points on that because it's so Mm -hmm. so true like firstly listening to us talking about this is really can be really inspiring but i think it's important to practice it 
it can be a bit difficult to practice, but mm-hmm. it does start with awareness and like anything that you want to become a part of your life. It's about it can repetition helps a lot. Like mm-hmm. trying to go into those scary situations uh, voluntarily also helps a lot. Like putting yourself out mm-hmm. of your comfort zone, and then yep. it is a muscle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like pu- public speaking, the experts are still scared of it, but they've practiced walking on that onto that stage um, so many times that they know how to do it. And then once they're there, they, they can't leave. So, <laughs> yeah. That's my next one. Next one on the lit- list. <laughs> awesome. Public speaking. <laughs> yeah. And another, um, uh, another, no. another point that I just wanted to mention was that, like, yeah, you were saying that um, fear can be such a, primal instinct that yeah it's happened to us before so that's why your brain wants to protect you and it also comes from the caveman instincts because a lot of um i think studies they usually relate this to how we're very tribal animals um Mm -hmm. how in caveman if you weren't part of a tribe then you would basically die because you couldn't survive and get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger so that's the fear does come from that sometimes of not wanting to um, oppose what other people uh, think because then you might feel ex- excluded and mm-hmm. back in the in the BC that would hurt um, your health and be a cause of death but now it's it's fine if you upset somebody on the internet I mean don't do it but it doesn't it won't lead to death <laughs> right mm-hmm. yes and just to close this conversation around fear um this idea of patterns and that we should tell fear to that everything is okay and that he can feel safe Mm. Um, at the end of the day we are like you were saying we are uh we are habits we're patterns we keep doing the same thing over and over again and then if there's some challenge, if there's some different situation in our life, something that we never did before, then it's normal that we feel scared because we don't have that in our program. Uh, so it will take a different kind of energy or a different kind of feeling for us to be doing that new thing. Like you were saying, like in my case, public speaking, like I've never done public speaking before. Um, like I have, but not to uh, like... A proper level of talking to a big audience and so it is normal that in in my my first time being faced with that challenge i will feel fear because again you don't want to be the one failing you don't want to be um excluded from your tribe mm-hmm. um, you might perceive that as a risky situation but then you shouldn't try to just conquer that fear you should just try to be present in that moment and really sit with your fear and be like, look, it's okay, but I want to do this. I really want to do this. And once you're able to have that self-awareness, once you have that presence, and I this ties it up to with meditation as well, I think it's that awareness of the present moment that tells you, okay, I'm here. I, I recognize that fear is here as well. I understand that you're trying to protect me, but it's okay. And that's when you start overcoming the challenge because you understand that at a rational level, there's nothing here. Like, it's okay. Like, it is something challenging. But even if something goes wrong, it's not that bad. Like you said, yeah. no no one's going to die. You know? <laughs> this is not a matter of life or that situation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. In worst case, people get a little upset. But it doesn't last because people are, are just too self-centered to put that much energy into what you're doing for a longer, mm-hmm. for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now my final question uh, before we close today, how do you make sure I'm, I'm, I'm considering making this uh, a go-to question, like final question. So you'll be my first, uh, uh, my first guest. How do you make sure you're not sleepwalking through your waking state? Yeah. I love that question. I mean, (laughs) it just sounds so cool. The question actually. Um, it's the whole theme of my podcast. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope it sounds a little bit cool and dreamy. You know? <laughs> if not, I'll just do another branding strategy. I'm okay with failing. Uh, awesome. Yeah, the waking state. I mean, that term sounds awesome. And I haven't heard it too much. So 
you've definitely got some personal branding um, magic magic going. And how are, how can we make sure to not go through our waking You're not sleepwalking mm-hmm. through your waking state. So how do you make sure you're living your best life? Mm. Your best waking life. You can dream during the night. I think it's good to dream. <laughs> and even do lucid dreaming to make it make mm-hmm. it more reality. <laughs> Don't start with lucid <laughs> dreaming. Because that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough question. Because I mean, we've mentioned quite a lot of things already, I feel. Of like yeah. and I think curiosity is a big part of that. But um one thing that I became quite obsessed about um during university was understanding perspectives like i created a business plan to be able to go through uh, south america and create like a uh, youtube series of how i could interview people to understand their perspectives and that was like that was like my plan a, wow. a or slash b for after graduation but then i did this so like i had it mapped out uh, how i could make money how i could who I needed to bring with me. And it, well, it was for an assignment in university, but wow. <laughs> like, luckily I was able to explore that. And so for me, it's... And that's pure curiosity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you get to completely explore a different thing. And for me, the to not be sleepwalking is to continue growing. And what that means mm-hmm. for me is understanding different perspectives and having an impact on others. So mm-hmm. the reason why I went to Hong Kong for my exchange in university was to be able to um, really understand how they live and what their values are, because mm-hmm. we are only one part of this world. And if we're so self-centered, then why why do we even care about what other people think and what other um, what influence we're having? For me, it's a people are everything. Like I, that's why I do my work is to be able to mm-hmm. help others and the best way to be able to help others is to understanding others perspectives I think so for anybody that Empathy. yeah and this doesn't mean going to another you have to go to another country but it can just mean talking to somebody that is from a very different perspective um, from you or talking to like yeah the bus driver when you're going downtown anything like that I think is that's very important at least for myself Mm -hmm. to step outside yourself and notice that there's much more out there to to unfold yeah yeah exactly oftentimes we're we're a lot we're quite stuck inside our head i mean meditation helps with that but Mm -hmm. also talking to other people does is can be quite uh, eye-opening well thank you oscar for the awesome conversation and insights It was really a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. And thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much. (laughs) Before we close, um, I will share all the links in the description of this episode. But you want to talk a little bit about possible projects that you're engaged in and you want to promote? Sure. And I just want... Or share that. I will not use the word promote. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Um, Actually... I think just to like wrap wrap it up about coaching, I think coaching is one of the tools and jobs where a person's job is basically to help you expand your perspective. And that's why I like it a lot. Make sure you're not sleepwalking through your waking state. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I'm doing in coaching right now is you, the last couple of years I was doing like general life coaching, which is great for anybody who has mm-hmm. goals and wants to make a plan and take action on it to achieve those goals but right now i'm focusing a lot more on helping people define who they are and understand their Mm -hmm. their potential life purpose and their values and then productively work towards them because i think Mm -hmm. i put productivity in there because a lot of people want to be productive and people will spend money to save time but ultimately, mm-hmm. they want to save this time so that they can be happier and live the life that they want. So that's what I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, my podcast, which is called The Learning Experience. And otherwise, um, that's for anybody who... I recommend it very much, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. 
And yeah, feel free to connect with me on any social media platform, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Oscar War, everywhere, I think. I will leave the links uh, in the description. It's just easier so that we don't just have to keep cool. <laughs> um, saying everything. Yeah. And thank you so much again, Oscar. <laughs> thank you so much. It was a really awesome conversation. I agree. I loved <laughs> that we've explored so many different areas. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the the different turn that, like, talking about leave, I think it was very relevant for sure. Yeah. Like, so many other things. Yeah. I was about to go into it again, but actually, let's just close this for now. Because <laughs> yeah. it was, yeah, it was a crazy experience. <laughs> so if you too like this episode and you want to keep updated on any future episodes, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app and reach out to me, reach out to Oscar and and just share some thoughts, feelings, whatever you feel like sharing, really. Um, like I said, I will leave all the relevant links on the description of this episode, including more on Oscar, Elizabeth Gilbert, and uh, everything that, that Oscar mentioned uh, as well. And last but not least, thank you, dear listener, for joining our conversation today. I wish you an awesome and inspiring end of the week. And bye-bye. Thank you. See you. Thank you.